Hey guys, it's Jackie. Um, I'm really excited for today's guest. We'll be talking gifts and shopping, which are two of my favorite things. And we've actually talked about gift and shopping guides on the show before, if you remember back to episode 34 with Tertius. Well, it has been a hot minute, so we're thrilled to revisit this topic. This time, instead of the point of view of an editor, we'll get the perspective of a freelance writer, and we'll talk about a gift guide that she wrote for Forbes. Um, So that's pretty exciting. I don't think we've really covered a story on Forbes before on the show, so super excited to dive into that. But before we get into it, allow me to introduce our guest. Her name is Johnny Sweet. She's a freelance writer who focuses on travel, health, and wellness. Her work has been published by dozens and dozens of publications. Just to name a few, Time, National Geographic, Self, Lonely Planet, and Real Simple. She travels often, but when she's not on the road, you can find her at home in the Hudson Valley, which is cool because our last guest was just from that area. Um, Practicing yoga, I can relate, I teach yoga, so that's cool. Um, cooking vegetarian food or biking. She also has a website and Substack, which we'll be linking to in the show notes and sharing via social media. But without further ado, welcome to the show, Johnny. Hi, thank you for having me. Welcome. Awesome. Uh, and then, of course, Britt. Oh. Hi, Britt. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for I, the whoa. intro. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We always have to introduce Brett. Um, so let's get started. Before the episode, you shared a story that stemmed from a PR pitch. Do you mind sharing what the story is and how it came to be? Sure. Um, the story was a holiday gift guide I wrote for Forbes um, last November, so November 2022. Um, it was titled Top Gifts to Help Travelers Sleep on Planes. Um, so Forbes likes to get very, very specific with their gift guides. You're not going to see a lot of very generic gift guides on there, like top gifts for travelers. Um, instead they ask their contributors to pitch ideas of super niche gift guides. So I've written things like, um, top gifts for traveling yogis and top, uh, meditation and mindfulness, mindfulness gifts for, uh, using on the road. Um, you know, trying to like really zero into like very specific people and interests. Um, yeah, so this story came about because I heard about a very cool new travel pillow that was unlike any I had seen before. Um, I received the pitch from Dana Quinn at Jack Taylor PR in September uh, 2022. So for me, that's like just ahead of gift guide season and, you know, kind of when I start thinking about what I might want to write. Um, but yeah, she, she pitched me the new Pluto pillow, the Pluto pod pillow, I think it's called. Um, and it has like a hood like design and inside the hood, there's a little eye mask that you can flip down to give yourself more darkness on the flight. Um, it has some supportive features around the neck. Um, It really looks like very space age and it can fold up and attach to the um, handle of your suitcase, making it really easy to take on the go and and stay clean when you're traveling. Um, I just really thought it was a cool, clever design. Um, She had pitched me it once before, but I must have missed it. So um, I followed up or I responded to her follow up two weeks later. And one thing I love that she said was, 
Uh, we would love to send you a sample for editorial consideration, and I know nothing is guaranteed. Um, so that was a big reason why I took her up on it. I'm kind of hesitant to accept samples um, if I feel like I'm not sure if I can cover it and uh, if the PR person seems overly eager or demanding. I don't even want to bother trying it because I don't want to have follow-ups in my inbox every week for like the rest of my life <laughs> about when yes. I'm going to cover the product. Long story short, uh, she did send me the product and I liked it. And it really sparked an idea about the best gifts for um, to help people sleep on planes. Um, so about a month later, I pitched it to my editor at Forbes and she loved the idea. Um, and I was able to contact a bunch of PR people I work with. And I can't remember if I put this request out on Harrow or the PR Zara's Facebook group, um, but those are some of the areas I like typically announce assignments that I'm working on before I, that was before I created my Substack anyway. Um, and I started, you know, soliciting some great ideas and uh, coming up with some other great products to include in the roundup. That's so cool. And um, I do have to say, uh, I love the look of the travel pillow. I would just wear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think that that traditional, um, you know, toilet seat yeah. pillow <laughs> doesn't do anything. I think it gives you the illusion of comfort. Like you think like, yep. okay, I dropped 20 bucks on this pillow in the, uh, at Hudson News at JFK airport. Yep. Um, I'll definitely be comfortable on my flight now, but it, it doesn't work. So I, I love seeing something that seemed like it would actually work and had a lot of cool features and, um, you know, had like a more upscale feel. So it felt very giftable to me. That's, that's very cool. And I love the story behind it that, um, you know, it was a product pitch, but then it inspired you to write a story, um, which I think I, I like that we, we find more and more the more we interview people is that rarely is the path from pitch to story linear. It seems like it takes time and um, the writer comes up with a whole other idea that was inspired by the original email. Uh, so this is really cool. Um, can we... They, first of all, thank you for sending the pitch over. Do you mind if we just ask you maybe one or two questions about it and what stuck up, what stuck out to you about it besides that awesome wording and her follow-up? Yeah, well, that wording was why I accepted the sample to begin with, even when I didn't have a story in mind for yeah. the product. Um, but I love that her pitch was uh, very short and sweet. It had um, four bulleted points of information about the design features um, so it made, me, it made it really easy for me to skim and see, like, what was cool and different about this pillow. Um, and she also included, uh, well, four images in one, kind of like a, a big rectangular image split into four quadrants, and each one showed the pillow in a slightly different way. So I was able Love to it. immediately get a sense of, like, what it looked like, um, how it's used, um, you know, all the different things about it without having to go through like an entire gallery of photos. Um, but she also was thoughtful enough to link to more high-res imagery, um, link to a press release where I could learn a lot more. So I like that that information was available to me, even though uh, I didn't need it to assess the pitch at the time. It, it became really helpful later on when I was writing the story. 
I noticed there's a quote in the email from the CEO, and I love it because it kind of talks about how tacky the old school ones are. Did you like that touch as well of, of having the little commentary, or do you think that was kind of inconsequential? Um, it didn't really do anything for me, but um, it didn't hurt the pitch either. Just for me, it didn't yeah. really matter that much. But, um, you know, if you are going to include a quote, I think doing it in this style is good. It was about, let's see, about three sentences um, and kind of gave it a little bit more personality um, and talked about some of the highlights. So it certainly wasn't a bad touch, but with this particular story, since I wasn't even... I, there was no opportunity for me to include an expert or outside quotes from anybody. It didn't really matter to me. Um, did you talk to the co-founder, CEO? Um, I haven't talked to her. I actually, I think we may have corresponded over email like months after the story went live, um, but I did not talk to her for this story. Okay. I also just want to share the subject line it's quite simple, straight to the point. It's Pluto's new travel pillow promises a restful and stylish journey. And then what's interesting to me is when she followed up, I'm, it, I believe it was in the same thread, but the subject line changed to following up, new launch, comma, product for review. Oh, good, good catch. I didn't I thought notice that. that. Was, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I think definitely the first subject line was more eye-catching, even though I didn't happen to uh, respond to that initial pitch. Um, The second subject line didn't do much for me, but I I do try and like open and at least peek at all the emails I get, even though I can't possibly respond to everything. Um, But yeah, I think I think what was most effective for me was that it was really short to the point um it felt thoughtful and it had the great image that allowed me to see what this product was very quickly right had you worked with dana before um i can't recall i've definitely worked with this pr firm before um i think i have worked with dana before i'm so bad at remembering who i've worked with in the past it's all good i only ask because sometimes um but you say you open every email but sometimes folks are more inclined to open emails from people they've worked with in the past that's the only reason why i ask yeah i mean there are definitely some names of people that i've worked with for like many many years who i will definitely pay attention to their emails but Um, I think I, you know, 98% of the emails I get, I don't necessarily recognize the sender's name. Um, But, you know, you never know what's lurking in your inbox that could be a gem for a story. Mm -hmm. And one last question kind of on this. You mentioned you're hesitant to receive product. Um, Can you just talk more about that? Yeah, I I think this is really important because I've talked to other journalists who cover products. And one thing that is really annoying (laughs) is when you when somebody says, hey, we have a new product launching. We would love to send you samples. Can you please send me your address? Um, And then you respond and you do with no promises for coverage or anything, but you're thinking like, like for me, if I accept a product sample, I'm thinking like, oh, this is within kind of my realm of coverage. This might work for a story at some point. Let me give it a go. Um, So you accept the product, you try it. Maybe the PR person follows up once asking how you like it, which I think is totally reasonable. Um, 
But then sometimes you get follow-ups like every week, literally for months and months asking when you're going to cover it, um, which feels a little frustrating because <laughs> mm-hmm. as you can see, like with this particular product, I received the pitch in September and it got covered in late November, but I was writing gift guides through mid-December. So it, you know, it could have taken more time if I, if, if that ended up being a gift guide that I wrote a little later in the season, um, Sometimes I've tried products that I wasn't able to write about for a full like year or even year and a half. Um, oh. But I think when you are, when you're approaching somebody and offering samples, it should really come with like a no strings attached, I don't know, requirement, even right. though we're all hoping for coverage, right? Like they want their client's product covered. I want more stories in which to cover products because that's how I get paid. Um, but there's a lot of variables outside my control and, um, you know, it, it just gets kind of frustrating to have to read those follow-ups over and over and over again when I don't have a new answer. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I think, you know, I think it's very different if I approach you asking for a sample of your client's product, then, you know, I'm, I'm approaching you. I think you have every right to follow up with me decently regularly to ask when the coverage might happen since I did seek out that product. Um, but I think if you're just sending out like product samples to media, I think the follow-up should be, you know, tamed down a little bit. (laughs) Um, so anyway, so if I, if I feel like if I get a product pitch and they're offering samples and I think like, Oh, this could work. If I get the sense from the email that like this PR person is going to be very pushy or demanding or constantly following up, I probably won't take them up on the offer um, unless I have a story I'm working on like right now in which I can maybe include it. Do you ever write about products without receiving it? Yeah, frequently, Um, especially with roundups and gift guides. Um, you know, I might be covering 50 to 70 products in a matter of like a couple of weeks for the holidays. It's often impossible to uh, get all those samples in, try them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, yeah, I think with gift guides and, and uh, roundups, I absolutely do not try all the products, even though it, it would be fun to be able to. Yeah. Um, but with a review where I'm saying like, hey, this was my experience with this product. Here's what it was like. I definitely test those first. That makes sense. Okay. That actually really clarifies it in my mind when I think about it. I just have one more question about product. Um, Johnny, if you don't like the product, do you say you don't? Like, I'm assuming you do. How, what do you do in that situation? Um, it depends on what I'm working on. Um, so if a so let me let me take it from like the PR relationship. If a PR person sends me a product and I hate it, I'll give them I try and give thoughtful feedback on like what my experience was like and why I'm unable to cover it. Um, if you if I'm if I'm testing a product for a review, then I have to give my honest take and, and write about it for our readers. Um, so I write a lot for this site called the Nessie, which does wellness product reviews. And the entire goal of my stories there is to find the best option in any product category. So right now I'm working on a story for them about lip scrubs. I've tried eight different, uh, eight, eight of the top lip scrubs you can find right now. 
And some of them I loved and some I don't like, but I'm writing my honest take about each one of them so that our readers get a sense of which ones they should buy or not. Okay. Wow, lip scrubs. It, uh, it had me thinking, how long does it take to research lip scrubs? Because I imagine <laughs> you got to take a break between them. Uh, yeah, so I've been <laughs> testing these, I think, since about February. Um, I was testing them. I was testing one every, like, three to four days. And then I interviewed a doctor about, like, how how frequently we should be using these. And he <laughs> he told me we should be using them much less frequently than once every three to four days. So I had to... Um, extend the testing period by quite a lot. <laughs> I'm, glad you can, I'm glad you got that information. Yeah. I think one of the fun things about reviewing products is like your body is a lab. Like I feel like I'm doing experiments <laughs> on myself constantly. <laughs> that sounds fun. It's yeah. definitely fun. Um, sometimes you have like unwanted things happen, like an allergy, an allergic reaction or some sort of side effect. Uh, so, you know, it's not always as like fun or glamorous as it seems, but it does allow me to try so many different products. And I'm a very opinionated person. So I'm able to really share what I love and, and also what I hate about certain products. That's cool. Um, so I'm like, I have a couple questions that are related. I think the first one maybe fits more into what we were talking about with receiving product. Um, so understood that uh, you tend to be hesitant to receive product if it's not clear that it's not guaranteed um, to have any sort of coverage. Um, but have you ever received any offers and been able to try out any bigger ticket items um, or not? Do you just try to stay away if they're like on the more expensive side of things? No, I think there's a place for testing more expensive products. Um, those are ones I'm very hesitant to accept offers of unless I can, you know, talk to an editor um, and get get the go ahead on it. Because I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I know it would be like a lot of money to send me a very expensive sample of whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I do want to respect um, brands and PR people and, and the costs involved in doing that and make sure it makes sense for them to send me the product and for me to take the, the time and energy to review it. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you're offering to let me test a, like, I don't know, a thousand dollar, like laser hair removal device, I don't even know. Um, but something yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. Something very expensive. I'm very unlikely to accept it right off the bat, but if I'm like, Oh, okay. I think laser hair removal devices are really in right now. Let me see what else is there. Maybe an editor wants an honest review of like four of them, then it becomes more doable. But cool. in terms of what I'm offered, I mean, I'm offered, I, I, I'm offered opportunities to test anything from, you know, uh, lotion and moisturizer to coffee to even like cars and bikes and cosmetic surgery. <laughs> so wow. it, it kind of runs the gamut, but um, mostly I'm testing like relatively affordable, approachable consumer products. <laughs> That's mostly yeah. what I do. So no massage chairs. No massage chairs, but that would be an interesting one. Okay. <laughs> um, Britt Brit has, she's thinking ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, can we move on to affiliate programs or do you have other questions, Jackie? That was the next question I thought was good to ask. So go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. 
Um, affiliate programs, are they always necessary when pitching products for shopping guides or reviews? So none of, none of the publications I currently work with require them, or if they are using them, they're kind of handling that on their end and I'm not part of it. Um, but I think I'm kind of a rarity at this point. Um, basically every other writer I know who's doing product roundups and reviews is relying on affiliate links. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll have clients by the end of the year who will be asking me to do affiliate link product reviews. Um, so I think it's absolutely essential, even though I've been able to keep doing my work without, um, without that requirement affecting me. Interesting. Okay. Okay, cool. That's good to know. We've had, we've gotten that similar feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Every other writer I know is, is like living and dying by affiliate links, but um, yeah, Forbes does not require them. So um, when I write for them, I, I don't need to worry about it. I kind of want to change the topic, but I want to be cognizant of any questions that you might have, Jackie. Not change the topic completely, but talk about. I understand. A little um, bit. Yeah, that's that's like we're reading each other's minds. Go. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious because in our conversation, Johnny, you mentioned you were using Harrow, and then I actually hadn't heard of PRs are uh, the Facebook group. I'm gonna check it out. But tell us about your transition to using Substack and. Uh, more about your Substack too, because I know a lot of our listeners are going to probably want to sign up for it afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I used Help a Reporter Out for all of my stories for many years. And um, I've noticed the quality of the responses I've received have gone down significantly in the last maybe three to four years. Maybe it started like right before the pandemic. I started getting a lot of bad responses and responses that didn't align to my requirements, copy paste answers, all of that. Um, so I started getting really fed up. Um, anyway, I built my own email list, mostly for doctors and mental health professionals and, and those types of experts, as well as their PR reps. Um, Cause at the time I was doing a lot of health writing. Um, so that was what I used to start blasting out my, uh, the stories I was working on and my sourcing needs. Um, I would also sometimes use the PR czar's Facebook group, which is helpful. Um, but I saw that a lot of my friends were creating substacks to do the same thing I was doing with my uh, very uh, bare bones email list. Um, so I finally decided to give it a go a few months ago. Um, and it's been great. I m- mostly use it to share the stories I'm working on and opportunities to work together, um, as well as like what my sourcing needs are at any given time so people can send recommendations. Um, but I also use it as like a little bit of a way to give a taste of what's going on in my life. So I might write a paragraph about a recent story I wrote and how that story came to be, or uh, a recent trip I took or I might share some interview tips um, for people to share with their clients based on some mistakes I had I'd been seeing recently in my interviews. Um, so yeah, so it's pretty casual. Um, my Substack is free, um, so anybody can sign up. And I, I'm not on like any regular cadence for sending out new issues. I kind of send it out whenever I have a lot of sourcing needs and I have some good information to share. 
um, it's relatively new. I think I've done four of them so far. So more to come there. But yeah, that, that's the best way to keep up with what I'm up to. Love it. Um, yeah, this is great. I, I just signed up. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love this is like a trend we're noticing. And I, I, I really like it. I think it's for the best. I've heard we, we've heard about Harrow too. And I kind of, to be honest, I stopped checking it. I thought, I don't know. I don't need to, I don't really need to think about work at 5am on a Friday. That's when yeah. the emails send, you know, it's kind yeah, of, it seems like a, an intern kind of job to be checking that. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, I would put a requirement like, oh, I'm seeking a medical doctor to like comment on this disease that I'm writing about. And I would mm-hmm. get, I would get feedback from like SEO specialists and, and lawn care yeah. providers and like all these people who, who had no business pretending they were doctors. Um, so it, you know, it became a big waste of time for me to, to go through there. Um, I still use it from time to time, but I try and exhaust all my other, um, resources, all my other resources before I turn to Harrow these days. And then do you have like go-to PR people that you reach out to, um, that, you know, personally represent certain experts or, do you yeah. just when I'm doing cool. mental health stories, I have a couple of folks I reach out to. Um, I'm in with uh, PR people at certain universities and hospitals, um, so that can be a helpful way for me to go. Uh, when I'm doing products, I have some PR people I know always have great product recommendations, so that I will sometimes reach out to them privately ahead of my email blasts just to get some stuff moving. Um, but Rarely am I only seeking sources through my own private channels. I usually try and open it up to more people than that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, that was a, a really interesting answer to Substack, um, to why you use it as well. And I've just been noticing more and more of my favorite journalists and reporters using Substack, and I find it way more helpful and targeted than any Haro subscription service can provide me. Um, so I'm all for it. I love it. And I hope that you eventually can profit off of your Substack too. Yeah, we'll see. I, I did a little poll saying like, would you pay for a, a, like a premium version of this with some tips for PR people working with journalists? And um, only a handful of people said they'd pay. Other people said they'd love to see it, but make it free. So, you know, I'm not really there yet, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think it's a good place to start. If a few people said yes, that's a little side money. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually have a question for you guys. Now that you're seeing so many journalists create Substacks, are you able to keep up with them all? I, I'm a little concerned it might get flooded and we, mm-hmm. might, we might need another Harrow-like system to. Uh, to uh, just for uh, the Substacks. Yeah, to like condense everything and give just the highlights. <laughs> Um, I notice with certain industries, that's what I found so far. So product and travel seem to be the, the two spaces that are really doing this strategy. I don't know what you've seen, Brett, in your research, but those are really what I've noticed. And for me, I'm not really pitching in those beats. So this is more of like an admiration on the sidelines on my end. I, I But I, in the future, if I ever do have appropriate clients that would fit into either of those, I would probably overwhelmingly just deal with the fact that I'm getting a lot of sub stacks um, in my inbox. But what are you saying, Britt? Yeah, I'm seeing the same, um, more lifestyle and um, 
I'm I'm having I did try to find substacks for folks in other verticals, um, but it it's I had a, a hard quieter. time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also just as a side note, I have been using Quoted uh, Q W O T E D. I believe. Yeah. Um, I've started trying that out. Have you heard of it, Johnny? I think I yeah, it. I've used it a couple times recently. Um, the team there has kind of reached out to me when they saw that I was working on certain stories, and they said, "Hey, do you want to put this on Quoted?" Um, so I felt I had nothing to lose, and they gave it a go. Um, and I found some great sources on there, and I love the interface because I can message with different potential sources and like ask a follow-up question to see if they're right for my story and everything's all in one place. Um, so I actually, I really like it. I do too. And I couldn't believe I got a win like after the first week of using it, you know, with nice. Haro, it's sometimes like you need to, I mean, when I started using Haro, there was a learning curve and like it probably was so spammy when I started because I was a little late to the game and using Haro. Um, that I felt like it was really, it can be, you have to strategically use Haro and hope for the best. And their user face, like, I don't want to poop on Haro, but like, it's very outdated. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I like started using Quoted, I also too was like, wow, this is actually really nice to use. And I would, I'm considering paying for it because it was, I found it great. Um, maybe that's, I don't know if it's the answer, but I also really do like Substacks because I like to learn more about the personal kind of like going abouts and, and what the reporters and journalists that I might be pitching are writing about too. And I like how you can update followers or subscribers with what you've recently written about as well. It's kind of a way, good way to help me brainstorm new ideas and know what's, what's going on in that space. Yeah, I'm never sure if people really want to hear about my personal life or not. So I share a little bit, but I try not to be super heavy handed. I'm not trying to create like a pseudo blog with Substack, <laughs> but I usually write like a paragraph about what I've been up to personally. Um, and I've been surprised at the feedback I've gotten. People really seem to like knowing that side of my life. Um, so I'm inclined to share a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, if you're a travel writer, I find it really interesting. And I love to live vicariously through people who can travel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I've, we've learned a lot about how you're pivoting your own um, strategies and thinking about like what your the future of your work, how it's going to work and all of that as well. So thanks so much, Johnny. Yeah, thank you. This has been really fun. Jacqueline, do you want to move on to the shout out section? You know it, it's my favorite. Um, so, Johnny, um, is there a shout out you'd like to give to a publicist that you think exemplifies what being a good collaborator is all about? Yeah, I have a few. Um, so I've been working with a team called Crew of Two out near Boston for many years, um, and they are fabulous. They always treat me really well. I meet with them several times a year, and it's always fun. They always have great ideas for my stories and help me set up great meetings with compelling people. So I love working with them. Um, I recently wrote uh, a story about Budapest for uh, the world's greatest places feature in Time magazine. And that, that was a lot of back and forth with the PR person. So I have to give uh, Maria Silva at New Link Group some credit for helping me with that and being so gracious when I 
was peppering her with fact-checking questions um, as the article was going to press. Um, so she was great. And then um, two people I love working with in the mental health space, Jen McDermott at ThriveWorks and Ali Gavin at Mercury Global Partners. They always help me find amazing therapists to interview when I'm covering mental health. They're among the very few publicists I trust to send me emailed interview responses. I normally always insist on phone because I, I feel like it's a higher likelihood of me receiving responses when I need them. But both of them always guarantee email responses. And every time I've done an email interview with one of their clients, it's always been very thoughtful, thorough, interesting, and, and so useful for my stories. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Also, do you you meet with them in person? I heard that correctly, right? Um, Yeah. The first group, Crew of Twos, um, Noelle and Annie, they they run the show over there. So yeah, they have events sometimes during the year. And um, I'm in the Hudson Valley, so getting down to New York City is pretty easy for me. Um, so if they're hosting something locally, I'll I'll come down and try and uh, have some FaceTime with them. And since their events are fun, it's really um, an easy yes to the RSVP. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really cool. Well, we might that's have really to have fun. you back on to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Them too. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Just brainstorming out loud over here. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Johnny. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.